called by Jesus and chosen to serve as the founders of the church and empowered, the apostles failed repeatedly. They were unable, in this case, to exercise a demon, and they continued to learn by trial and error. Let me say that again. The apostles learned by trial and error, which means they failed in their efforts and didn't give up, which means we need to expect failure in our efforts as followers and to determine that we'll continue on despite our failure. It also means we're to take risks that put us into situations that make it possible for us to fail. The disciples would need to learn from this experience, forgetting their failure and making every effort to strain and press on toward the goal for which God had called them heavenward and we'll need to do the same thing. In this week's sermon, Kelly preached on Luke 9, 37 to 50, where Jesus heals a demon-possessed boy. Throughout these verses, his disciples learn a lot, and today we'll discuss questions around this topic and more. Stay tuned from Glen Allen Bible Church. I'm Matt Marone. I'm John Vanderveld. I'm Beth Moss. I'm Kelly Brady, and this is episode number 127 of The Next Level. Welcome back, me. Good afternoon, everyone. <laughs> How was your weekend, Matt? Were you away? <laughs> it was nice. Yeah, we went on vacation, wow. which is that thing when you have young kids. You took a trip. Where it's you go to That's try hard. to live where, and when, when you don't know where anything is when you really need it. Okay. <laughs> That's what vacation is with young kids. <laughs> you still do all the same things that you do at home. You're just in a different place. <laughs> No, we had fun. We stayed at a house in Indiana, at my sister-in-law's place, and it had a, a big pond. So I went out and got the boys some fishing rods and a tackle box and some lures wow. and stuff. And so that was our first experience fishing. They all caught a fish. Wow! Mm. One of yeah. those fish. Did they touch the fish? Yeah, yeah. Oh. They did. They they all touched. I showed uh -huh. them how to hold it. Yeah, and, how to unhook yeah, it yeah. and gut uh -huh. it. We and did not it. gut any. We threw them <laughs> back. And we ate it. Okay. Um, Largemouth bass is really tasty <laughs> from an <laughs> Indiana pond. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, um, it was fun. We had a we had a fun time. Really? But but this isn't like a I feel rested and I'm ready to get back to All work right. kind of vibe. Mm -hmm. I'm more like that was a whirlwind and now I'm at work. Yep. So yeah. did it feel It'll good be to be in Indiana where there's where it's totally COVID free and safe? Did yeah, you yeah, they did not get the memo. Did the, cause, they never cause got the memo. Because at the border, it all stops, Everything right? Changes. We were in Indiana yeah. this weekend for a yeah. soccer tournament, uh -huh. and it was well, a very different experience. Right. I was in Indiana a couple months ago, and um, <clears throat> we stayed at this resort type of hotel, and they had a wedding going on. We weren't there for the wedding, but, you know, that, this was like, mm -hmm. like in August. And, I mean, yeah, there was no masks. It was like, and granted, we were in a small town in Indiana, yeah. so... Whatever, but um, but Indiana now just uh, this past Saturday, I believe, moved yeah. into phase, phase five, five. Right? Yeah. So for the last day we were there, it was restaurants at full capacity. Wow. Um, and all of that. I think most of them are still saying wear your mask when you come in mm -hmm. and stuff like that. But full capacity nonetheless. Wow. So different world, just a few, just a few short miles, miles away. away. That yeah. makes a lot of sense. Yeah, <laughs> totally. Hey, John, were you saying I, our COVID numbers are lower than Indiana? I think so. I think that's what they said on the news last night. I don't know. It's so hard to track everything. but good. It's good that none of this is politicized. I did see that there is a local lawsuit that was uh, announced against the state of Illinois and the IHSA mm. and the Illinois Department of Public Health in order to get 
students back you into know, schools. You know who filed the lawsuit, sport. don't I you? I do know who filed the lawsuit. <laughs> so I saw it made the news. Big, big news story on wow. it. Wow. So things are happening in mm-hmm. good old Illinois. Illinois. <laughs> yeah. We were talking this weekend. This is, it has nothing really to do with COVID. But I think COVID has just kind of accelerated people's feelings. But you don't really talk to anybody that says I have chosen to live in Illinois because it's such a great place to like, right. I'm mm. proud of Illinois. No, it's I'm here even, for the work. Even before my family's here. COVID, yeah. yeah. I have family connection here, deep roots here. Like we were joking. People are we were not joking. Flocking. Like you go to a place like Colorado, mm-hmm. people like they buy a hat that has the state of Colorado <laughs> on it. Yeah. I like Colorado. <laughs> no one's wearing Illinois hats. Yeah. <laughs> Unless These it's the places. college or you something. You don't have, like, would you buy a hat that had the state outline of Illinois that's like Illinois, like my state? There's no pride here. No. There's none. No. no, my neighbors actually, I just saw this an hour ago. Our they are, they painted a bunch of rocks, and one of them painted the state of Nebraska <laughs> on a rock and wrote home. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> because they drove through there, they drove through there on their way to Colorado, and it was better option. <laughs> Granted, they did just move from Nebraska. No, uh, I, ha- I have seen a lot of uh, a lot of the numbers that they just released of the amount of people who have left compared to the amount of people that have come in. Mm. There's a lot of people that are moving it's a out net of Illinois. Loss. Five percentish, six significant. Yeah, yeah. like mm. something like 170 thousand households or something. Yeah. Wow. Which is a lot, so. Well, you know what we could do to stop those people? What if we, what if we introduced a tax? When you leave. When you leave. <laughs> sorry, sorry. Okay. So, how was worship yesterday? I sorry, wasn't there. this is a really rough way to start the podcast. <laughs> Everybody listening is totally depressed. No one listens to this part. They all fast forward. All right. Sunday yes, was fun. There was a ton of people there yesterday. It was a lot of fun. Thank you yeah. for leading. Oh, you're Beth. welcome. Yeah. 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 I thought fun. Jen and Dane uh, kicked butt. Yeah. Can you do that in worship? They did great. Sure. Yeah. Sure. Everybody yeah. did great. Someone told me yesterday, I love watching Dane worship. I think it was my wife oh, who said that. Uh-huh. Just he's passion. Yep. He's he's into it. Mm-hmm. Yep. So he was singing yesterday. I know. He, we, need I can sing. we need to mic that boy up. He, he can he, sing. No mic in front of him. Yeah. No, he was singing. Do you guys think that was the last beautiful Sunday outdoor worship we'll have? No. No, don't say that. No. It's supposed to be really ugly this no, Sunday. Not. Yeah, but that's not. It's going to turn around. It'll turn around. We okay, always have good. like really hot days in okay. October. Yeah. yeah. We'll, we'll be all right. We'll be fine. We should take this opportunity, though. Thank Go you, ahead. Kelly. The weather for Sunday looks terrible yeah. in mm. the in the forecast. So usually we tell everybody, we send an email out and like do a thing on Tuesday to get people to begin the registration process, Mm -hmm. making their plans for Sunday, but we're going to wait and see how this forecast goes. And we're going to do that on Thursday instead. So we'll send an email tomorrow, just letting people know, Hey, uh, registration will actually start on Thursday this week. Hopefully that'll give us a little bit more of a, an idea of what the weather's going to look like. And then we can plan for services Mm -hmm. accordingly. We're we're trying to be nimble, uh, responsive and, uh, both proactive and reactive in our planning. So, yep. Mm-hmm. Yes. All right. Good. Kelly, I really like the painting that you put on the bottom of the lyric sheet. Wait, that was very good job. Really creative. Yeah. Thanks for doing mm-hmm. that. I stole that idea from somebody. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it was your idea? <laughs> no, it wasn't his idea. He just knows I borrowed it. I love I just I see l- it in the notes here. I know. <laughs> 
what do you think of my I cool painting? I this amazing painting I put in there. I thought it was cool. It's like kind of it. cool that it's, you know, top, bottom, one day apart. Yeah. yeah. It's it's a, it was, it I appreciated your explanation and, yeah. and that you cited Raphael, right? Yeah. Did mm. anyone else think red bandana, size, <laughs> right? turtle, uh-huh. ninja turtles? The ninja turtles. I was hoping that you didn't feel bad that everyone had their faces down while you were preaching because everyone's looking at the picture. So I looked around and was like, oh, everyone's looking down at their phones. Yeah. No, they were looking at a picture for 30 minutes. They were. What? <laughs> <laughs> and, and scrolling. I, I, didn't, I didn't get why we needed to scroll. I should have said, hey, stop scrolling. There's nothing to scroll. That's funny. I thought it was a helpful, I was, I'm teasing, but I did think it was a helpful yeah, I did too. Um, piece to Mm-hmm. I liked it. Get our minds around the story a little bit more and what was all going on and how close the linkage between the two. And That's cool. So, Because I watched the online. So you mm. did. You, you told people where to go to see a picture of it. Is that yeah, what you did? Yeah, we put it at the lyri- on the lyrics page. Oh, great. At yeah. the bottom of the lyrics page. Yeah. And yeah, it know, was more helpful than pericope. The word pericope. <laughs> I actually <laughs> said that second service just he to did. you. He did. He did. me. <laughs> pericope. So... Um, yeah, it's interesting, the four sections of Scripture, you get the sense that the author is trying to make a point here. Each of the four sections could stand alone. You could make theological. You could also make philosophy of ministry, um, applications out of each four. But I opted for kind of a, a broader, we see Christ here bearing with the failures and misunderstandings of mm-hmm. his followers. And mm-hmm. I found it encouraging personally. Mm-hmm. And some, All right, let's, that's see, good. let's, see so let's get into the first huh? pericope. <laughs> Is that, does it mean question? No. No. no okay. <laughs> well, when in Rome. <laughs> it means You just section. started case in point. <laughs> That's perfect. When in Rome. Uh, Get to that first brick. No, Matt. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, question number one. I appreciate the challenges laid out, and I feel totally safe with God to try new things and be more active in my faith. Unfortunately, other Christians do not feel safe to me. I'm afraid to pray and confess and try new things with other Christians because, in my experience, church people can't be trusted. They gossip, create cliques, backstab, and look down on people who are struggling. Ooh, really? I know. Ugh. So just this person has been around the church long enough to know that the church isn't perfect. Right. Mm. So I had made the point that we're free to fail. Um, We should feel safe with God. Thus, we should take risks. I suggested some particular risks. It it seems like the the listener here in the question is aimed at. Well, I would take more risks, like praying out loud and praying Mm -hmm. for others. And I think you made the point. But I don't feel safe with people. You made the point, like, hey, we can pray out loud because we're completely and totally safe with our Father. (laughs) Right. You can Mm -hmm. you can confess because you're completely and totally safe with God. He's not gonna think anything different. In fact, he's gonna enter into that with you. You know, because he loves you, he knows you, he cares for you. You you are safe. And I think. This person is clearly saying, yeah, that's great. I feel safe with God. It's the other people in the yeah. room. That's fair. That I that's don't fair. feel safe with. Yeah. I think that, you know, uh, what's the saying about Noah's Ark? Uh, it's full of two by two. No. What is it? The uh, the stink. There's yeah, just something about the stink yeah, of the Ark the stink or inside weren't so bad. You, you I'll think, think about, about it. it. <laughs> I'll Google that. <laughs> Get on the Google. 
I do. I, there's not really a question here, right? Yeah. Other than well, but there is. It's like, what do we do with yeah. the mm-hmm. relative feeling of un, uh, lack of safety in the church? How do we overcome that? Yeah, this is probably one Stay of those. Stay away um, from the people that make you feel that way. Sometimes it's well, difficult I, though because you don't know. Like, I mean, I I can think of experiences in my. I mean, having been at church for like really my whole life. I can think of experiences either that I've known about, been a part of, whatever, where, um, you know, people think that a situation is safe and it turns out being not. So they share a concern about their child or something, you know, Mm -hmm. Bob's gone, Bobby's gone off the rails. We caught him smoking marijuana and Mm -hmm. it's all a bad situation. Well, they share that with their small group. Well, the next thing they know, everybody Mm-hmm. knows and their kids aren't allowed to hang out anymore and it does it yeah. you know it turned yeah. into a safe place to share actually is turning into uh you know a situation of gossip or backstab you know and and i i don't think this situation is you un- completely unique i do think that you know people get burned at the church oh, by, i just thought of it by the christians the stink oh, the stink inside would be unbearable if the storm outside weren't so deadly. Yeah. Yeah, that's it. So that's the church good. is like Noah's Ark. It, and it is. It's hard um, to bear with each other mm-hmm. sometimes. Mm-hmm. I, but it is, it's God's vehicle for salvation, the church is. We're, being a, a part of a church is not optional. We're to be a part of a local congregation, and we are to make ourselves vulnerable as well as hear the vulnerabilities of others and handle those well. Mm-hmm. I think, you know, one of the... One of the hesitations people have, even of coming forward to pr- for prayer, mm-hmm. is that they're sharing things with people that they they know. But I mean, sometimes that information can be so mm-hmm. um, they're worrisome about you know if Sen- I sh- sensitive if, if I, yeah if I if I share this are they you know if I came forward in my to share that my you know my my marriage is in trouble and my what are they going to think about my husband or my wife when I'm up here? And then, you know, there's all sorts of, and what are they going to do with that information? Are they going to use it against me? Is it going to, how, how is this, you know, it's, it's all the human or humanness in is involved in these situations. So, but I feel like what you were talking about when you said in your experience, 75% of Christians are afraid to pray in front of people. You're not talking about burying your soul and all of your, all the skeletons in your closet. You just mean just pray. Hey, we're just going to sit here and we're going to pray. Let's Mm -hmm. pray that Illinois reopens soon. Let's pray that COVID is gone in, Mm -hmm. you know, next week. Let's pray that God starts a revival in our area, whatever. And and you're talking about people that are like, "Mm, no, like, I'm not really and, But often they're afraid to do that because they're afraid they're going to look like an idiot. If they're I gonna bumble, say the wrong I sound thing. stupid. They're right, going right, to theologically, right. and then are people going to laugh at me or think... Or like, just talk behind my back. You know, never, th- you know, think if you've been coming here for 10 years, and, you know, you get into a situation where somebody says, hey, you know, Kelly, would you go ahead and pray out loud for us? And you've never, you know, mm-hmm. all of a sudden you, you're going to be outed as, well, he doesn't know. He isn't who, he, who we think he is. Maybe they're not. Right. Dang. No, kidding. Um, I remember, I mean, I remember when I first came on staff at a church, and I think I've told this story before, and we go in, we're having a prayer meeting, and, you know, the lead pastor's leading in. He's like, okay, we're going to see, it's, uh, let's see, 1030 right now. We'll go until, uh, you know, 1115. And I was like, 
was kind of looking around, looking for the shock of other people's faces. That was clearly on mine, and I saw no shock. And I was like, right, "Here we go. How could we possibly pray for forty-five minutes? There's no way. What am I going to pray? Like, I get it, mm-hmm. but also I was at a pretty. Um, I wasn't as mature as I am now in prayer, and then so that I, but I hadn't been exposed to it. I haven't been around it. I mm-hmm. hadn't seen it, so it was terrifying for me. And I didn't want to say something that made me sound like a bumbling, mm-hmm. you know, fool, or that I didn't know. But to be fair, I I didn't know the Bible as well as I know it now. I didn't know how to pray as well yeah. as I know now. Like, so I mean, it's a growing process, and. It's going to be hard to grow if you don't just jump in and do it. What what do we do, though, when someone mm -hmm. does sin against us in the church? And that happens when they betray us or gossip about us. I was was thinking there's kind of two things in here. One is a reminder to our church, to our small groups, to people, you know, that, um, like, be really kind and gracious and, um, you know, creating a situation where you're Be careful. Gossip- yeah, where you're other. gossiping about what people would share. You know, we I think Grant does a great job in the starting of a small group process where we they kind of outline there's almost like a contract that the small mm-hmm. group enters into that, hey, what's shared here is safe and mm-hmm. um, we're not going to share things outside of here. And, um, you know, actually honoring that kind of stuff for mm-hmm. people, um, you, you know, is really important. Creating clicks around, you know, we're going to exclude them because they don't, you know, they don't act a certain way or do a certain way or they've got this going on or whatever. Um, just, you know, so there's a reminder in there for the church to be nice, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> be safe, be nice, be safe. And then there's the a reminder, I think, for those who have either been are scared because they've been hurt in the past by Christians or by the church, Um to, I mean, Matt, you started to say, it, don't go around people that aren't, that you know are not safe. Don't keep going thinking that thing, you know, um, but then also don't give up either. Right. Um, That's you know. my big deal. I, I would love to see us uh, come to terms with the fact that if we want a church that is safe, then we need to be offering that to others. Mm-hmm. I need to be good at not gossiping, hearing people's confession, keeping it to myself, I need to treat others kindly and carefully and watch out for other people. So I need to, I have to take responsibility in creating a community that I want to be a part of. And then I need to give other people the chance to reciprocate. So I need to hear people's uh, sensitive matters and care for people carefully. And then I need to let and take risks and let other people. And, And I think it's as easy as saying, hey, I want to share something that feels to me vulnerable. Are you up for that? Because I'm afraid to do that. And just kind of vetting that as a group. I mean, we've we've had people in groups say, I'm excited to be a part of the group. I'm, I'm nervous at the same time Mm -hmm. that, um, to really open up and then we can talk about that. So, Mm -hmm. yeah, I mean, there's probably some stuff that doesn't need to be talked about in small group. Well, Maybe some stuff is more one-to-one. appropriate right. one-to-one or with yeah. a pastor. Or well, with I a... think the more people start taking that risk, Kelly, kind of to your point, the more people are going to. It can have like a like a rolling effect. If you're the one who steps out and starts taking some risks and then other people may start doing that. And then before you know it, you've got this really cohesive group that all feel safe together. Mm-hmm. So I think sometimes when people betray your confidence or clicks or form, sometimes it's coming from a, a place of insecurity. Yeah. And once we all kind of get past that insecurity and start taking risks, maybe a, a stronger bond would end up forming. Yeah, that's good. 
Yeah. And uh, yeah, and sometimes we hope we start, we go too quickly and we have too, mm-hmm. our expectations are too. So we're hoping that we'll be able to sort of offload everything in week two of our small group or our prayer group and mm-hmm. everything's, you know, it's like, man, like build trust with people first, go, go slow and don't have the expectation that, you know, these folks are going to be able to fix everything and or even know, be the end all be all for you and your group or, or even hear everything. I've yeah. been, I've been in small group settings yeah, before true. where, where someone shared things that others, others in the group could not bear. You can't handle. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, they, so this person shared something that triggered others mm-hmm. in the group. Mm-hmm. And so it was a little early and a little much yeah. in the evolution of the group. So we do, to Matt's point, we need to, we need to know, I used to do a little lesson on how to confess for success, which sounds cheesy now, but uh, some confessions best one-to-one. Mm-hmm. And, and we also should ask permission. Hey, I used to have a friend who say, I have something I, I would like to confess is now a good time rather than just saying, Hey, the other day, you'll never believe what I did. Mm. I feel so bad about it. And so I was in a small group once where, um, we were going through these questions. We'd been a small group for a while and had shared, everybody had shared a lot of stuff, you know, we went through this one study and the, the, <laughs> the questions were a little bit personal and difficult. <laughs> the person would always say, this person would say, eh, let's answer that one in our head. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, we'll just go with that one. You know, maybe it'd be a good idea (laughs) to talk to the small group leader first. If you do have a question that Uh you feel is maybe Uh it's a little on the edge and you don't know, you know, just say, hey, what what do you think Do you think think the group is ready for this? Right, Mm -hmm. right, right. And yeah, Um, you know, we had a, um, I was in a small group once where there was a a married couple in it and they were struggling and they shared their struggles and they shared a lot. (laughs) Um, And I can tell you that... uh, we prayed. I had serious doubts that they would get through. And, and then three or four years later, they, they do and everything's they've, and man, because we were a part of that whole yeah. equation mm-hmm. and weren't afforded the opportunity to pray mm-hmm. with them and to pray for them. And then it was just a, it's a huge praise God. That's it's beautiful. something I think about mm-hmm. regularly. That's just awesome. like, wow, man, God restored that situation. Mm-hmm. They did the hard work. They were prayerful and faithful and that's cool. So, you know, man, sometimes to, to witness that God moving in that way, you've you got to yeah. take yeah. a chance. And, yeah. 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 Cool. All right. Well, let's go to uh, question number two. Kelly mentioned a lot of great things about singing and worship today. I'm struggling because I feel like we are singing the same nine songs. Can we add some more variety to song picking? You also mentioned the Psalms. Can we add some more hymns? Yes. Yeah, yeah, and I think a lot of hymns now have like a bridge or something to them where they they feel a little more contemporary. Yeah. Um. You know, it's a great question. It's a fair question. Yeah. We get this type of question regularly. Uh, I'll start, uh, Matt, you and Beth, y'all probably have a lot more to say here, but yeah. I, I just want to say that uh, we give attention to the total number of songs in our playlist and the regularity that we play songs. And I know you could speak more to this, but when we select songs, some of it has to do with our musicians. We have to select songs that they're ready to play and feel good about playing. And so it actually takes a while to build a repertoire. And mm-hmm. Sure. Yeah, well, so, 
No, Sorry. Go ahead, go yeah, ahead. no, it's uh, Kelly, as you say that, it's just striking me too in this kind of COVID season, we have far less rehearsal time. So on a Sunday morning, we're walking in and that's all we get is about 45 minutes, maybe an hour. So it has to be stuff that musicians are, are familiar yeah. with. Yeah, I mean, there's, there's a lot uh, that goes into choosing a song. Um, I think there's a couple things going on in this question, so I'll, I'll do my best to answer them. I think one is more in the data and facts world, and the other is more in the emotional realm. So I think first we can kind of go go at the data and facts. So I, I went ahead and, and, you know, looked into the last two months of, of our um, planning center, of all of our services and the songs that we've done, and here's kind of what I, I dug up. So, um, <clears throat> so two months worth of songs, five songs of service, which we have been doing four because of COVID and all that. Um, so from this coming up weekend, October 4th through the past August 9th, so that's a two-month span, we've sung 24 songs out of a possible possible 32 slots. Well, so well. that just gives you, and that's a little well, bit of an approximation. 24 unique songs. 24 no unique repeats. songs, no repeats, out of 32 oh, possible yeah. slots. Mm -hmm. okay. So we've repeated that's variety, some, mm -hmm. but by and large, that's pretty good variety. Um, now, three of those songs I would classify in as new, uh, King of Kings uh, by Hillsong, All Praise, Sing Praise uh, by Matt Redman, and Graves into Gardens um, by uh, Brandon Lake, I think is his name. And then two songs I would classify as hymns, Be Thou My Vision and How Deep the Father's Love. So that's the breakdown of just the, the most current, the last two months of mm -hmm. songs. And so um, I, that's mm -hmm. what we did. Yep. Um, now, how you feel is mm -hmm. a different bag of stuff, right? Mm -hmm. Because that involves your past and that involves which services you came to. Maybe you came to yeah. a couple services mm -hmm. where we did repeat those same songs you know, in, in those 24 to 32 slot slots, those, that, that open eight uh, song area. So, um, maybe that's, that's the case. I don't know. I think yeah, sometimes too, is you, you play, you sing a song that we used to do, uh, a, a lot, like, you know, maybe we did a song a lot in March or April. Mm -hmm. I'm, yeah. And then it comes back and you, we haven't done it in a while, it feels like, man, we've done that song a ton. Like mm -hmm. you making this link right. emotionally mm -hmm. yes. mm -hmm. to well, something. That's happened to us before. Oh, yeah. So right. me, John, Kelly. Um, yeah, and, we do and a this, lot of work around this. Right. Yeah. So we Which, sat down initially, what, maybe three three years ago or so. Maybe I was about a year in. Yeah. And we, we said, okay, let's look at what should our cap be? What should the right amount of songs be? Because we want to be a singing church and we're not going to be a singing church if you're singing too many new songs. Mm -hmm. uh, you want people to have familiarity. You want people to feel... People sing when they know the lyrics. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. right. so and you they have feel to, comfortable so when you they know the song. So you can't have too much breadth mm -hmm. or we don't know the lyrics and feel comfortable. Right. Okay. And so we looked at what is that number and we played with it. We, we increased it. We decreased it. We went through a season where it felt like, okay, that's not a big enough number. Right. And we went through a season where we felt like, okay, that number's too big. Mm -hmm. We need some more regularity. And all the while we're, we're being cognizant of what is the engagement like? Mm -hmm. um, I feel like the last few years have, there has been a good trajectory um, of singing. It just feels mm -hmm. like, and, and a lot of that too is interesting. I just, um, got to guest speak online at a, for a Moody class for a worship class. And one of the things I told them, cause one of the questions was, you know, how do you get your church to engage more? One of the big things is having a senior pastor 
who has that voice, who is oh. who, yeah, totally, um, who looks at the songs as a tee up to the sermon. You know? <laughs> um, so who, who says like, Hey, when we sing, we're preaching to each other. Let's sing, mm-hmm. let's be a singing church. Mm-hmm. I mean, I feel like you're beating that drum week in and week out. So that's part of it too. But, and another component is what we're talking about. How many songs you do in the familiarity of those songs. Um, now for hymns, uh, I have some thoughts, but I'd love to hear you. How do you guys feel? We're not a church that does a lot of hymns. We do some hymns. There are other churches in the area that do predominantly hymns. Mm-hmm. There's other churches in the area that do 50-50. Like, how do you guys feel when someone comes up and says, we should sing more hymns? Well, first I want to say that's very intentional. Like everything you just laid out there, mm-hmm. that's a lot of work you guys have put into the intentionality of how many songs, how frequently, and uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but when you pull in a new song, don't you kind of retire? We try to, another yeah. And that's the other point, song. yes, right. Mm-hmm. When a new song comes in and that list of 40, then another song has to go out. Mm-hmm. And you, you actually didn't share all the details, so I'll just share more of your world. But we actually meet and list out these songs. We have like a master spreadsheet that we work on mm-hmm. and we'll add songs to it in a way of like... like um, Student ministries will add, will will suggest songs. I might suggest songs. We might yeah. get, and and then you kind of vet through those, and we'll we'll retire songs. But then yeah. we'll also take songs that we feel like we are engaging in a high level in as a congregation, mm-hmm. and we'll say those need to get sung eight times a year. Right. And mm-hmm. other we songs about frequency. Wow. Only need to should only be sung four times a year right. because maybe they have a a rich theological message or, right. or maybe they're too simple. Mm-hmm. And we say, Hey, right. these are good for these uses, You're but right. they're not, right. mm-hmm. you know, we like don't want to be songs that comes to mind is the song always. Oh my God, he will not delay. Like yeah. that song. We still sing that here, but mm-hmm. like four times a year, mm-hmm. right? Because our church knows it well. It mm-hmm. is an older song, but the message seems to really harmonize well with certain sermons Sermons. that Mm -hmm. Kelly gives in this certain theme that we have going on that day. And it just feels really powerful. So that's one of those songs that we, we say, you know what, we're not going to fully retire that song. We're going to keep it in the list, but we're going to keep it at a cap Mm -hmm. for the year. And then there's songs that are, they're seasonal, you know, Mm -hmm. you kind of have a category for those. Like um, the reason I'm saying this all is because it it is an actual, very detailed and Mm -hmm. thought out process. There's not much going like, Hey man, I just heard this new song on Caleb. Let's Let's do it on Sunday. Like there's like, Hey, I've heard this song, you know, let's look at it. Let's, let's listen to it. Let's let's go through it all a little bit. Maybe we'll try it on the, at this group and we'll, Mm -hmm. you know, like there's a whole process, but. Hey, can I jump in and say that, uh, I hate the song always. I'm tired of singing. (laughs) No, no. I have a point to make other than my dislike for the song. I'm tired of singing it, but I don't get my way. Yes. Mm. This is new for Mm y'all. I've never told you I'm tired of the song Mm -hmm. because it's, it's not about me. Now, I'm fine that someone weighed in. I mm-hmm. think it's great yeah, that someone... Totally. Mm-hmm. I, I think it's great that someone said, could we try this or mm-hmm. that? I'd like more hymns. I have my preferences, too, is my point. Mm-hmm. But the singular preferences of one person don't rule the day because there's about 600, 700 adults in the room. And so we have to have, as John and, and everybody's pointed out, Matt, you pointed out, we have a system by which mm-hmm. we call our songs right. and cultivate a singing list. Mm-hmm. It's great to share your opinion, but I, I think it, it should be known. I, 
none of us gets everything that we want oh, when gosh, it comes no. to the singing right. selection. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. To answer your well, go ahead. No, I was just going to say, I mean, I, I consider myself fairly deeply entrenched in worship ministry, and I had no idea how nah. much went into this. I mean, like, I'm impressed. Yeah. The, like, you guys is, actually do a job. This is pretty <laughs> impressive. Of course I knew you guys worked no, really know, hard, but, man. like, I didn't know the level of intentionality that went into it. And, I mean... I, honestly, I, I get where this person's coming from. Sometimes you're like, wow, I feel like we've done that song a lot. But then right. even if you miss a week, you might hear a repeated song kind of to your right. point. Or if you've been watching the online, weren't the songs different in the online service this week than the, yes. the live? Yes. Not Maybe not every week, right. but sometimes. So there's depending on when you're there and when you're not and which service you went to, well, there's a lot of variety. This interesting phenomenon happens has happened to us before when we've looked at these songs. And, and maybe Kelly or, or you or John will say like, I'm so tired of the song. Can we stop mm-hmm. singing it? We have sung it so much in the mm-hmm. last six months. And we can say, okay, let's look at that. And yeah. we can pull the song up. And, and there's like, been a couple times where guys, it's like, we did it twice. <laughs> we've only sung this twice. <laughs> Whoa. And it's crazy. to Matt's point, the reason I'm tired of it is because I've heard it on the radio a hundred uh-huh. times. Uh-huh. Yeah. I haven't sure. heard it in church a hundred times. Right. Or, there could be or other you don't know. Yeah, there's so much emotion. And and I actually appreciate the way that this person said, I feel like we're singing. Yeah. Like yes. it wasn't mm-hmm. like this yeah, definitive, yeah. like, right. <laughs> we, we are only singing the nine song, you know. Right. To answer your question about hymns, because I think this is a, is yeah. worthwhile. We have gone over around and around about this before. We've talked about hymns, we, the, you know, because we do get requests to typically, and I'm, I'm not saying this person is in that category because I don't know who it is, but typically... We get requests from hymns for those who grew up in an environment where hymn singing was really a part of their faith development, mm-hmm. or they come from a kind of a, a mindset of those are, that is Christianity. Mm-hmm. Like those are the, the pillars, like hymns are a pillar or pillars that sort of prop up like the Christianity, right? Like we need to be teaching people, because we've I've heard this. We need to be teaching people the songs of the faith. Mm. That right. there's hymns that are part. Like it goes, gospel, biblical knowledge, and hymns. Kind of like if you want the playbook of how to be a Christian, you know those things. Right. That's not true. For one thing, hymns do not hold any more weight than any other <laughs> songs mm-hmm. necessarily. I do think that there is some value in knowing and singing hymns, mm-hmm. the tradition of the Christian faith. I don't know why in particular we, we don't go a whole lot further back because some of the ancient songs are actually, like in the Psalms, have actually been rewritten into modern right. songs a lot. more than what we would traditionally call the hymns. So I grew up singing for, you know, 18 years, the salt out of the salt or hymnal. You want to talk hymns? I got hymns. <laughs> you know what I mean? I can, you know. I thought you were going to uh, say out of salty, the singing song. Well, but. he was when I, you're a kid, but the salt or <laughs> hymnal was in the pew in front of me. You didn't sing on the screen because, mm-hmm. you know, you were looking in the songbook with the chords, the notes, the notes all yeah. the hymns. Yeah. I mean, turn to 587 mm-hmm. in your psalter. Here's the hymn. So I, I, there's a lot when hymns are sung that I connect with and love and relate to in my faith development. And at the same time, I go, man, there's probably a lot of people in this room that didn't have that experience. Mm-hmm. Probably a lot of people in this room are really confused by these lyrics. Right. They don't really connect with them. There are other songs that we sing, more modern songs, and I think 
you know, traditionally this would have never got sung in my church growing up in a hymn singing church. But I bet you there's a lot of people here that think, wow, it's, that's a pretty cool song. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I connect with that. I engage with it. In fact, I mean, I've brought people to our church that don't know Jesus that think, I cannot believe the quality of the music that you're playing in your church and how much it relates to me, how singable it is, how the lyric, you know, makes sense to me. Um, I mean, I have a, you know, a non-believing neighbor that I invite to church off and he comes and he connects with the music. Mm. He, he would not connect with hymns. Mm -hmm. sure. And so there's a part of me that just personally, and I know it's like this for many, like, man, I, I would love to sing more hymns because I, because of the kind of the bolstering of our, like, it makes me feel like we're mm -hmm. singing hymns. These yeah. are truths and we're, we're resting right. on them, but I would never sacrifice. I would, I would every day sacrifice that feeling for people coming to our church that don't know Jesus. Yeah. And if the hymns make them feel like they're in a staunchy place that, you know what I mean? So I think we can sing hymns. I think we can educate around hymns. I think we can, we should have hymns be a part of our, our church. Um, we're probably never going to do enough of them to make people who love hymns feel really good. Right. And at the same time, we're, we're not going to do, you know, a f not enough of them. We're like uh, only a few so that everybody that's really, you know, modern has no idea what's in, that they're going to feel really great. Mm -hmm. There are right. going to be times when people sit here and go, I don't know what that is. That's an old song. It makes, mm -hmm. doesn't connect with me. Yeah. And there's going to be times with those that love old songs are going to go, this is just so modern. Why don't we sing more hymns? Mm -hmm. yeah. I think we're never going to fully please right. both ends. Right, right. Well, spectrum. and then, and Kelly brings it, brought up earlier, um, a lot of it uh, has to do with who, who do you have on your team? Who do you yeah. have? And so, you know, I'm going to give a football analogy here, and I probably think I know more about football than I do. But in my mind, there's two kinds of coaches. There's the coach that comes in and says, here's our scheme, play within it, or we'll find somebody who can, right? You see a lot of football teams go that way. And then you have other football teams who say, here's my scheme, but I really want to see what we have. Yeah. And then we'll adapt. Totally. And that's, I fall more into that category. And so I, you know, we have a few people who are like, okay, these are kind of the, the keys, the, the cogs, the, you know, the people that really, um, that we can turn up and, and play to their strengths and let's see what they do. And then that'll, you know, mm -hmm. when I first came on board here, uh, we did a lot more gospel stuff. Yeah. Um, because that's where I came from. Yeah. And it, it was it was fun, but it really kind of was missing the mark yeah. of where it felt like we, we needed to be. Yeah. And so um, also just a couple more, we could probably do a whole podcast on worship, but a couple more thoughts from me as a previous, you know, a recording artist and, you know, a writer, all that kind of stuff. And I've been in the Christian game now for about 15 years and in the church world working for 11 years. Here's what I have observed. I love hymns because... Not because I grew up in the church, because I didn't. So I have no, it doesn't strike me like that. I started gravitating towards hymns in the mid-2000s because I was recognizing that these hymns are much, were at that time, were much more artistically written than and poetically written than some of the, the contemporary worship yeah. songs that were coming out. And it was almost like on one hand you had fluff, and on the other hand you had lots of meat. Mm -hmm. And I, so I gravitated towards the more poetic ways of communicating truths about God. Um, I f think, I feel like I have observed over the last five to 10 years, 
there is a there has been a shift of writing that has been more psalm like, mm-hmm. more poetic, more artistic, more um, expressive, more more raw, more mm-hmm. vulnerable. Mm-hmm. I feel like we're seeing more and more of those songs introduced. Yeah, that's good. And it, and so I now I feel like that's where I you know I'm gravitating towards and mm-hmm. am appreciating seeing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So yeah. Um, Okay, let's go to question number three. How do you tell the difference between a medical condition and demonic possession? Yeah, Kelly. <laughs> you were pretty quiet on the worship thing. No, I <laughs> felt like we were doing well. I clap on key. <laughs> <laughs> perfect. That was perfect. Well done. Right on the pericope. Mm-hmm. Porcupine. Um, so... I made a point on Sunday just talking about how the gospel writers, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, when they describe what took place here and the, um, the, the desire of the father that his son, the description of the father's, uh, by the father of the son's affliction, his suffering, his torment, um, that the gospel writers do not use terms, a word that would make us um, think that this is epilepsy. Uh, there were Greek words. The epilepsy was well known in the ancient world, and there were there would have been particular Greek words they could have used to describe this as a, a primarily or uh, a, primarily a medical issue. Uh, the interesting thing to and so they don't do that. The father describes it as a, a demonic possession, uh, and the cure is exorcism. So nothing here should lead us to believe this was epilepsy, although it had the symptomology similar to epilepsy. My, my point is that um, anytime there is a demonic possession, there will be medical issues. And so when we ask, how do we tell the difference between a medical condition and a demonic possession? Well, it can be tricky because demons come to kill, steal, and destroy. And so every demonic possession in the New Testament, there are either mental health issues, psychological damage being done, or physical damage being done. But not every medical condition is the result of a demonic possession or demonic influence. Mm-hmm. So we, it just, it, <clears throat> we don't want to say it's either or. And the best way to figure out which is it is, is by trial and error, which I know can be frustrating, but it takes some time. And it takes, so the way I would say to a parent, if they, if they, think, if they fear there's um, a demonic issue in their child's life, um, begin the investigation at a medical level and do a simultaneous prayerful discernment where you're asking those you trust for input and to pray with you for God to reveal what's going on in your child's life. Um, or if you think that, you know, you may have an illness that um, you're unsure if it's medical or your loved one, whether it's medical um, or if it's the acute attack from the evil one, um, then I would do simultaneously. I go visit my doctor. I go visit a psychiatrist if it's, if it's a mental health issue, while at the same time asking the elders of the church to enter into a, a season of discernment, prayer and fasting, and I, I know that's, it, it takes some discernment. It take, in other words, it takes some time. I, I would work even with pastoral staff and say, listen, here's what's going on. Give me your thoughts on it. And, and, 
and there could even be work done around, and I've been a part of some of this. I wouldn't say I've got a lot of experience in this, but I've certainly had some experience in it where a counselor or a pastor sits in and asks you some questions. Um, there are some particular doors that can be opened to the demonic. If, if you mess around with occult practices, then you can open your life, your psyche, your body, uh, just your person, to the influence of the demonic. So if we if we toy with the demonic, then we can be influenced by them. And when they come to influence us, they always bring uh, death and destruction with them. And so if you've got medical issues that are, are bothering you, you could sit with a counselor who's spiritually minded or a pastor and you could say, and, and you could just do a little history. It's, it's basically, you know, how we do medical histories all the time. Well, tell me about your family history. Anybody had cancer in your family? Might you be a candidate? For, well, you could do the same thing spiritually. Well, tell me, have you, have you ever toyed with the occult? Has, has your family toyed mm -hmm. with the occult? Mm -hmm. Um, have you done drugs? Drugs can be a, a door that opens. Uh, you know, if you spend a lot of time high on on heavy, uh, heavies, but there are different cl classes of drugs. Not all drugs mm -hmm. have the same. I mean, alcohol is a drug, um, but, uh, you know, certain, certain drugs certainly open us psychologically and physically in ways that other drugs don't. Yeah. And so you can just trace family history. That was a common question at the healing conference that we went to last year. Yeah, it was this uh, time last year we were there. Oh, yeah, it was. Wow. Yeah. Praise God. That was just a fantastic time. Um, that was a common question because we went forward for healing and so we're uh, several meeting, times. So we're meeting as conference attendees, spur of the moment, with people who are committed to praying yeah. for healing, and they would go ahead. Yeah, and so we would go forward and they would pray over us. And but not only would they pray, but they would be asking questions, mm -hmm. um, and sometimes back and forth. Sometimes questions first, whatever. Yeah, the prayer but, would mm -hmm. stop and start again, yeah. and they'd say, "I'm sensing." And sometimes mm -hmm. they'd say that, right? I'm, I'm yep. sensing. I'm getting this. Yeah, the Lord, and I believe the Lord's telling me. Right. Let me ask you any occult practice in your yeah. family, mm -hmm. family history stuff. Yeah. And so that the, that question about occult practices, about um, drug use, um, mm -hmm. you heard it come up quite a bit. We heard it. Um, sure. You know, to mm -hmm. us, and so it was. Um, yeah, like what you're what you're talking about. Kelly in, in your you know because we you know some people who are hearing this might be thinking okay what demonic you know in your history as a pastor here at this church I mean have you been in a direct contact in a situation where you sensed demonic activity within a person possession that kind of thing That's a good question. Uh, I'm going to say yes, absolutely. So I think that the, the gospel writers, and I think Jesus, you know, there's, <laughs> forgive me, there's only one Jesus. And Jesus ran into demonic activity uh, of, I'm going to say, just virtually unparalleled amounts and severity because of who he is. Mm -hmm. And so, and his ministry was aimed at demonstrating power over worst case scenarios. So I have seen people fall down and convulse and foam at the mouth and scream. I have, absolutely. But bear in mind, you know, I'm 51. Uh, I've seen that twice. Mm -hmm. So it's just not the norm. I have personally felt delivered from demonic influence. And I think that Christians need to come to terms with that a lot more often. I went through a season of depression 
when my father was passing away, when I was 35 years old, 36 years old, and, um, and just felt a heaviness that mm-hmm. six months, a year later, I felt physically lift mm. during a time of prayer. Um, now, that could have just been, well, I think it, I think it was a demonic uh, influence. And mm. so it is not uncommon for Christians. Can Christians be possessed? That's really a misnomer. In the New Testament, uh, the demons are, are portrayed as invaders that are stealing. They never possess we're, mm-hmm. If you're a Christian, you're possessed by the Holy Spirit, but you can certainly be influenced mm-hmm. by an unwelcome guest. Just like we can have an unwelcome guest in our house, mm-hmm. uh, we, we do everything we can to get an unwelcome guest out of our house, and it's the same with the demonic. So, uh, you know, if I'm struggling with acute temptation, and we all go through seasons where we're not doing well, and then I'll begin to talk to the Lord, Lord, what's going on here? I, I sense that this is a unique season of temptation, and, and we're taught to pray. My gosh, Jesus' own instruction to us is deliver us from the evil. It's a part of the Lord's prayer. Yet how often do we say, I want deliverance, Father? Mm-hmm. I'm going through temptation, mm-hmm. or I'm, I'm medically oppressed here, or depressed, however you want to say it. And frankly, we, we make this out to be science. It's... This isn't science, and there's no hocus-pocus here. There's not a spell to recite. (laughs) This isn't witchcraft. No, this is relationship. Our daddy is welcoming us to call upon him for deliverance from the enemy. And so we talk to our daddy, God, deliver me from this because of the work your son did. Is this making sense? Yeah. 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 Okay. It's really good. Okay. Yeah. All right, let's go to, we got two more questions. We'll hit this one kind of fast. Uh, Kelly, question number four. Kelly, you made a lot of importance of singing and worship. Can't believe I missed this Sunday. What am I supposed to do about the fact my wife has told me that I sound bad when I sing? It seems counterproductive for me to sing loudly. Okay, um, I get it. Uh, culture tells us, popular culture tells us to play within our strength. So if you, if you don't have a good singing voice, popular culture would tell us you should probably be quiet in the church. Uh, but it shouldn't surprise us to, to learn that popular culture is at odds with God's economy. Mm-hmm. God simply says, 1 Corinthians 1.27, um, he says, God uh, confounds the wisdom of the world. God chose the foolish things of this world to shame the wise. And so where the world would tell us it's foolish for someone with a bad voice to sing in public, God says that's not the case at all. He says in Psalm 102, make a joyful noise. You are to, even if you stink at singing, you're to make a joyful noise. Mm-hmm. I have a little, I have, this is a pet peeve of mine. But what if it's not joyful? Oh. Then find your joy. <laughs> and, and, and John, what if it's reluctant? What if, I, what if it's an awful sound? What if I hate singing? Mm-hmm. Well, more to the point, what if I, I hate singing? I know that. Okay. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I, I, frankly, based on the New Testament, it doesn't matter if you hate singing. You are told to sing. We are to sing to one another. So what if people are st- standing up during the songs with their arms crossed, not singing? Where is it? What's the problem? What, where, where, what's your diagnosis? Well, my Consistently, di- over a year. They've if been they refuse, and years. we have people that refuse to sing. Mm-hmm. If you refuse to sing, then I don't know. How, then I would need you to explain to me how you interpret Colossians and Ephesians that says directly, sing to one another. I mean, we think we sing to fill time or to placate the artsy people. 
neither is the case. We sing because we're told to. And it's good for our souls. I need to hear other people lifting up their voice. There are some people, though. I'm not. I'm not. Go ahead. I, oh, I got it. Thousand percent agree. Push. But no, I'm not. There are some people that they sing. If they sing loud and they are terrible, it's actually really distracting. Well, okay. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, I got so it. is there a level of like you still need to sing? You're commanded to sing. You need to participate. And we know you can't sing on key. Yeah. And we know that if you started to try to sing loud, it would sound like yelling. Yeah. And it would distract. There's and no melody so, to so, it. So find the, the, the level. Your mouth closed with your arms crossed is clearly not the level. <laughs> it's not an option. Full on, you know, n- thank goodness you don't have a microphone because everybody would leave. <laughs> <laughs> is is not it, so there's a spot in there where yeah. you can still make noise a joyful you can noise. still have your mouth with you know i mean this is killing beth if they're making a <laughs> joyful noise and oh. it's distracting to you isn't that about you well, it, you it know is. i feel it like is. if someone's depen- genuinely making a joyful get, noise that's beautiful up. to it builds god me up to hear yes, someone who can't sing who's totally. singing loud i, I personally I enjoy that. really i'm ready right. to build you up I, this week you built me up yesterday kelly but there is a spot though too where it becomes about them yeah. Mm. Right? Like, <laughs> kind of like the person that always, like, adds in the extra thing in, like, <laughs> That's do you know me. what I mean? I in the Star that. Spangled but, Banner? <laughs> yeah. Or, like, you know, even in our church. Like, the, no, the extra things the are the things that Matt and Beth are supposed to do on the stage. Oh, like, yeah. You guys uh-huh. don't get to do the extra things, like, out in <laughs> <Yes>. the congregation. <laughs> right. Like, that's really distracting. That's, you know, it... it, it <laughs> I don't know. I actually the, I told John like yesterday, I was harmony. like, Kelly did the ad libs with me and everything. It was so great. <laughs> or like the people that. I actually loved it. People that like but, loudly harmonize. Mm-hmm. I've been around the church mm-hmm. too much in my life. Well, and to your point, it can be, we have to guard like, our that's souls. It's just yeah. about you. Mm-hmm. That's not about singing mm-hmm. together. I don't know. Yeah, I hear what you're saying. Actually, when I'm in the congregation, I make a point to um, only sing melody. Yeah, and with the congregation. Right. Like, we're mm-hmm. singing together as a group. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. It's a I fine don't know. line. I feel like we can't give people an excuse. Yeah. Right? right? You have to sing. You right. have to be a part of it. And we get it that some are, you know, we're not expecting everybody to be the loudest level possible and have complete excellence right so would you say kelly that if you refuse to sing it's habitual it's been going on for years (laughs) you've heard this message you've sat (laughs) in the church listened you you know you got it loud and clear but you continue to not do it uh would you you say no let it let him just get don't give him a multiple choice what would you say to that (laughs) kelly (laughs) i would say i'm concerned for that person what level of concern? <laughs> I'm salvation. Willful disobedience to a New Testament directive is not going to serve anyone well. <laughs> if, you know, I'm not going to. Would you say that you could will only grow so close to the Lord without that key piece of worshiping together with the church? Singing, Singing together. Yeah. I, yeah, I think you're missing out. Like your yeah. faith is going to be stunted. Yes, you're missing out. I think it's good that you talk about it so openly because there is so much of a cultural weight that is on us that, well, if this isn't my thing or if that there's so much insecurity that can come into it that I think 
like Matt said before, Kelly, John, Matt, you kind of all lay the stage of, hey, we're preaching to each other. Mm -hmm. This is not about us because we can make it very much about our security or I feel or people will hear me or maybe someone has commented about your voice before and that can be really hurtful and so you're guarding yourself um and that may be a a a point of prayer to let god help you bring those guards down yeah that's a good point and truly be able to make that joyful noise because it's all beautiful to the lord it just seems like one of the reasons is for emotional involvement emotional um connection connection with god and with the church um, yeah, like if I just, absolutely, I can be emotionally swayed and emotionally, um, affected when I hear a sermon. It's, it's just different when I sing. Well, and it, that's great. So music is going to be a primary means for you in connecting with God. There'll be people, it is not that mm-hmm. they're singing out of obedience. And I have things in my spiritual life that I do out of obedience Yeah, <laughs> and, 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 and I have joy in it, but. I wouldn't, but my enjoyment of it has to grow. Yeah. And so we just need to be honest. It's interesting because in my faith walk so far, like it has been harder to connect with God through music than through a sermon over the years. Hmm. It's, I would say over the last six, seven years, uh, music has now kind of come up, but especially in the first like 10 years, it was mostly just sermon and a lot of that had to do with my own junk, my own stuff of being a, a musician in the past and playing at a certain level and playing certain music. And kind just of not, snotty. Can, no, seriously, kind yeah. of snotty. Mm-hmm. This isn't my preference. This mm-hmm. isn't my thing. This isn't my jam. This isn't, you know, and I just couldn't get behind it. And it was just like, oh, yeah, I'll sing, but because I'm supposed to. Yeah. And, and then once the sermon came, then I connected. Then I was mm-hmm. challenged. Then I was, you know. So anyway, um, I, for me, it was a spiritual maturity thing. So, mm. question five, last one. All right, here we go. Why were you so hard on men yesterday? <laughs> what is gained by giving gender-specific application points? Seems harsh and sexist. What mm. uh, What was said? I have no idea. Oh, I challenged men. What did I challenge men to do? You said I'm going to oh, sing. You said I'm going to speak to the men now. Yeah. Oh. Mm-hmm. Well, something about gird your loins. I'm going to speak <laughs> men now. I was actually at a conference when the speaker said, gird your loins, men, because that, I just so everybody's listening. That's a Bible verse from <laughs> Job. Job. Oh, my where goodness. The Lord says he's about to rebuke him. He's, he's about, about to, to give him the business. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's going to open up a can. Yes. All right. So I. I think gender specific applications are appropriate because there are two different genders. Have you ever <laughs> have you ever done a gender specific application to women where you said, "Ah, now I'm going to speak to the women here." I have. It's have. it's it's less often. So I do this maybe twice a year. Let's be honest. <laughs> where I'll say newbies were like, "Great, every time we come." <laughs> well, <laughs> the two times they came. Jeez. <laughs> <"Geez." laughs> so I gender specific. Just I've I've talked about submission in. in the New Testament mandate to submit to your husband, wives submit to her. I've talked about submission and what that looks like and what I perceive it looks like mm-hmm. uh, for women and how. Um, so I think gender specific application are appropriate because we have different genders and I believe there is a difference between the genders. I think we, genders have different struggles and different cultural implications. We're for get canceled. 
<laughs> cancel culture. So, um, and I also believe within that that um, men have specific roles based upon the New Testament within home and church. And so, uh, and that specific role is to be out in front serving. I, I intentionally chose the word, I did, I did not use the word leadership. Leadership's a part of that. I think that men are called in home and church to lead, but the thing that that most closely approximates, the nature of that leadership is service. Death to self. Death to self. So, uh, frankly, men, men aren't pumped to sing. And so yeah. my specific mm-hmm. application was, apparently the New Testament doesn't care. <laughs> I do think um, men generally are not are the ones that are most reluctant to sing. I would mm-hmm. be foolish. Yeah. But I do think that there's some generational um, issue. I do see younger Men, men ready to more, yeah. and maybe that's just because they've been here. <laughs> it's just all they know. Yeah. Um, but I do see, you know, I think of, um, yeah, I just I can think of um, pl- spaces and places I've been with with the younger men of our church outside of our church, and they sing mm. Mm. men's retreats yeah. or yeah. conferences mm-hmm. or even you know secular music. Mm-hmm. Men will sing, you know. Oh, absolutely. No problem there. Go I to a Garth Brooks concert. <laughs> go to the Cubs game, which is the worst song in the world at the end. The Go Cubs Go song. You want to see 40,000 men singing that? Yeah. Singing? They'll sing that song. It's true. But I do th- I do think there's a little bit of, um, you know, generational stuff going on. I do think younger men. I think I think um, your application point was spot on. And I think the the idea of that men are generally those that don't sing. I in how many? Oh, I'll stick it to y'all. Give me the percentage you would say of husbands initiating prayer daily with their wife. Very slim. So I just very slim. You think it's the wife initiating more? Is that what you're I saying? Or you don't think it's happening? I don't think it's happening. And when it happens, I think it's the wife. Mm. So, yeah, I just, I, well, well, suck, yeah, I suck it up on that warm, fuzzy note. <laughs> suck it <laughs> up, buttercup, <laughs> if you don't like it. your loins, man. <laughs> <Gird Yeah>. your <laughs> <laughs> That's calling it out. <laughs> no, I will say, um, just to conclude to us, um, <laughs> when I think about uh, men that I look up to, when I think about men that I, I see them and I'm like, man, when I'm, when I'm that age or when I'm in that stage, I want to be like that. Mm-hmm. Every single one of them sings passionately in church. I've mm-hmm. never met a man that I wanted to end up like mm-hmm. who did not sing passionately in church, a Christian man. Mm-hmm. And you know what? I, I was out to lunch this week with one of our elders, Robert Steele. He's in his 30s. I think he just turned 31. I'm going to out him. I think he listens to this, but he won't. When he was eight, his dad took him. I think it was eight. He was young to a Promise Keepers conference yeah. at mm-hmm. Soldier Field. That's mm-hmm. about the right time. Yeah, I was at the same one. Yeah. Oh. He was marked by those men singing. You know, well, 50,000 men singing together in a stadium. You'll never forget that as a little boy. And that's and, my point about we, generational. Well, mm-hmm. and we, we're dying for that experience. Mm-hmm. And frankly, I won't give up on it. If, if you don't like hearing that you're supposed to be singing, go find another church. Because I want to be with men who want to sing Amen. and are going to kick in the gates of hell. Mm-hmm. Amen.
All right, I'm, I'm charged. I'm, I'm worked yeah. up enough. Sorry. Did Sorry. you guys want me to do a little solo right now? <laughs> you already did one, didn't you? I did. <laughs> no, he, he did, did one on the podcast, but you did no, one earlier before Kelly's favorite he song. was recording. Ah, <laughs> oh, dang it. That'll be in the outtakes. <laughs> That'll be in the outtakes. <laughs> all right, well, that's all the questions we have for you today. If you have any further questions, comments, concerns, musical notes you want to sing, text the next level podcast, 630-474-6164. Our podcast is dedicated to answering listener questions on two levels, answering specific questions about last Sunday's sermon and also general questions regarding broader topics within the Christian faith. We love God and believe that scripture is a primary means for our getting to know him. And our hope is that this podcast extends the learning opportunity for all who want to know God better, strengthening not only your faith, but my faith and our faith together. I think my closing there was probably overstatement. So I... no way, dude. Okay. It was spot on. <laughs> thank you for joining us. And thank you listeners for tuning into the next level. Prophecy.